So if you have your Bibles or if you're sitting there with your phone and browser, whatever you're using to uh, look at God's Word this morning, open up to the book of Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Colossenses capítulo 1, versículos 15 a 20. Now, we've just completed our Christmas series, uh, the, the, the Christ of Christmas, through which we have beheld Jesus, the Son of God, who was born as a man to be the perfect prophet, priest, and king that First Samuel, the whole Old Testament, and our very lives long for. And we've seen how those roles were perfectly fulfilled, not just in his life, but in his cross. One author says that the cross is the pulpit, the throne, and the altar of Christ. And we heard that Jesus is not just a cherry on top, but the center and substance, the whole Christ for our whole lives. But listen, if all we have is the birth, life, and death of Jesus, we don't have the whole Christ. Because as you well know, after he died, he was buried, and then he was raised from the dead on the third day, right? And then he ascended into heaven to reign at the right hand of the Father, exalted for the rest of eternity. So here in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, Paul has the whole picture. He's seen the whole picture. He has seen the whole Christ. And he tells us that while Jesus occupies the roles of prophet, priest, and king, there is one role that he occupies above all else. And as we embark on a new year as a church, I believe that this role that he occupies is a role that we need to set before our eyes, that we need to hear and remember and be firmly grounded in as we go on into this year. So with that, would you read along with me in Colossians 1, beginning, beginning in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this hymn that the Apostle Paul penned, this, this hymn that, that sets before us the whole Christ, the exalted Christ, the Christ whom our eyes 
so desperately need to behold, yet whom our hearts so infrequently believe in. The Christ whom we could spend an eternity trying to grasp and to understand, yet could only touch the tip of the iceberg. Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, the eyes of faith, that we might behold him today in your word and set a tone for the rest of this year. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Someone once said, just like the the author of Hebrews, I don't have uh, a name for the author of this quote, but it's a quote worth reading. Someone once said, he was born contrary to the laws of nature, lived in poverty, was reared in obscurity, and only once crossed the boundary of the land in which he was born, and that in his childhood. He had no wealth, or influence, and had neither training nor education in the schools of the world. His relatives were inconspicuous and uninfluential. Yet in infancy, he startled a king. In boyhood, he puzzled the learned doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature. He walked upon the waves and hushed the seas asleep. He never wrote a book. Yet all the libraries of the country could not hold all the books about him. He never wrote a song, yet he has furnished the theme for more songs than all songwriters together. He never founded a college, yet all the schools together cannot boast of as many students as he has. He never practiced medicine, and yet he healed more broken hearts than doctors have healed broken bodies. This Jesus Christ is the star of astronomy, the rock of geology, the lion and the lamb of zoology, the harmonizer of all discords and the healer of all diseases. And throughout history, great men have come and gone, yet he lives on. Herod could not kill him. Satan could not seduce him. Death could not destroy him, and the grave could not hold him. This is our Christ. This is our Christ. Now, as you look out on the potential landscape of 2022, What is most visible to you over the next 364 days? I'm asking you this right now. To you, for your life, what is most visible over the next 364 days? Maybe you see finish lines. Maybe you see vacations planned. Maybe maybe you see uh, milestones that you're hoping to achieve. Maybe what's most visible are the resolutions that you have just set yesterday or today or that you're intending to maybe, hopefully, I don't know, set. Maybe it's, maybe it's the conflict or the trial that you're hoping will finally come to an end and draw to a close. Maybe what you see on the landscape of this next year is the, 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 the project that you've been working on or you've been hoping to, to, to kick into and, and you're now hoping to, to pull the trigger on. Now, whatever you see as, as you survey the landscape of 2022 is what is prominent 
to you. That is what is prominent in your mind over the next year. And now, as you hear this description of Jesus, this this beautiful poetic description of Jesus that, that you just heard a second ago, perhaps Jesus becomes more prominent in your mind as you hear that. You go, goodness, he is an amazing Savior. And maybe as you read the gospel accounts, every time you read them, Jesus becomes more prominent in your mind. Maybe over the past few months, as we have considered Christ the great prophet, priest, and king, he has risen in prominence in your mind and in your heart. But listen, gosh, like a bucket of cold water on our sleepy and forgetful hearts, Colossians 1, 15 through 20 It reminds us that this Christ, our Christ, is not merely prominent. He's preeminent. He's preeminent. Listen, for for Christians, some of our lives' greatest problems and trials and perplexities arise not necessarily from rejecting Christ outright in favor of other idols and objects of worship, but, but sometimes, some of our greatest trials and problems and perplexities come because Christ is merely prominent. Because he's just prominent. One prominent figure amongst other prominent figures. Sh- sure, Christ is prominent in your heart, but so is your job. And so is your financial security. And so are the people that you want to impress. And so are your politics. And so are your hopes and dreams for 2022. He, he's, he's more than just a cherry on top of your life. He, maybe he is the whole ice cream sundae, but he's one ice cream sundae amidst several other ice cream sundaes arrayed out in front of you. And so the Jesus in whom you believed when you were saved becomes one source of comfort among many sources of comfort. He becomes one voice of counsel amongst multiple voices of counsel for you. He becomes one form of security for you amongst several different options of security that you have set out before you in your life. He becomes one among many objects of desire for this coming year. But friends, as we enter into a new year as a local church, I believe the Lord, as he prophetically speaks to us through this passage, by his Spirit, I believe that he would have us learn and be reminded and never forget through Colossians 1, 15 through 20, that Jesus is preeminent. That he is preeminent and should always remain preeminent in our lives. You see, most scholars would say that in in these six verses, we have the highest Christology in the whole New Testament. The, The highest declaration of who Christ is in the whole New Testament. The Apostle Paul penned this passage as a hymn magnifying the preeminence of Christ. Now, preeminence, this is a a word, if you look down at the text, this is a word you actually only see once and actually near the end. 
near the end, in, in the end of verse 18. But if we want to ascertain, if we want to grasp the meaning of preeminent, There are several other words that help us to see what this means. Look at verses 15 and 18. He is firstborn. Verse 18, he is the head. Verse 17, he is before. Verse 18, he is the beginning. You see, to say that Christ is preeminent is to say he is first. He occupies the first and highest position in every way that could matter. And now, lest you have any doubt in your minds whether or not he is preeminent, Paul shows us in these verses that Jesus is first, that he is preeminent in the two ways that matter most. So two points that will guide the rest of our time this morning. And they're, they're simple. One, Christ is preeminent in reality. Preeminent in reality. Secondly, preeminent in redemption. Preeminent in reality, preeminent in redemption. Let's start with the first. Look at verse 15. Paul begins in verse 15 by declaring that that he is the image of the invisible God. Listen, in, in taking on flesh, He makes visible the supreme being in the universe. See, God cannot be seen. He he is spirit. He transcends the, the, the physical reality. Jesus is his image. And Hebrews 1 3 says that he is, in fact, the exact imprint of that image. But but Listen, are are we talking about a a mirror reflection of God the Father? Because when I look in a mirror and I see myself in the mirror, what I see in the mirror is actually an empty image, and I am the substance. So, So is that the kind of image Jesus is of the Father? Well, no. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 tells us that in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In Christ is where God is seen and, and, and known and encountered. And in fact, he's the only person in whom God can be seen or known or encountered. That can never be said of any other human being. Jesus' godness alone establishes him as preeminent in creation. But look at the second half of verse 15. Paul says that he's the firstborn of creation. Now, isn't this interesting? Maybe you've heard a sermon that explains what this means or read a book, but that seems to create a problem, doesn't it? Does this mean that Jesus was created? Does this mean that he was the first thing or the first created item in the litany of created items? If he is created, then he's not eternal and he's not fully God. But that's not what Paul means. Listen, in the Old Testament, the firstborn had a leading place in the family, and and he would take over as the head of the family when the father passed away. But but firstborn was more more of a, a right given than a place 
in the birth order. So, for example, in Genesis 25, if you remember, if you've read Genesis lately, Esau sold his birthright to whom? To to Jacob. He sold it. So he sold the the right of his firstborn, the, the, the right of his birth order. It's a right that is given. This is a term not of order, but of rank. So here Paul is saying that as firstborn of creation, the Father has granted Jesus the right to be head over all creation. And and, and this is crazy. This is not just a right that Jesus receives and exercises, but Jesus establishes himself as the head, the firstborn of creation. How does he do this? By Look at verse 16. By being creator of all Things for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Rulers, uh, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He was the agent of creation. Now, not only did he create all things, but verse 17 and he is before all things, and in him all things hold. Together. This is fabulous. Quite literally, the universe is being held together. Not by a force, but by a person. By a person, all things were created. By a person, all things that were created are now being held together together. The the, the continued existence of all things depends on a single person named Jesus. Is there anything that exists or that has existed that falls outside the realm of what Jesus has created and sustains? No, there's not. Jeff Perswell He helpfully says all, when you see that word all here in the text, all encompasses anything you could possibly think of. Anything, anything you could possibly think of. This includes all things. Look at the text, whether visible, your possessions, the mountains, Joe Biden, things invisible, your emotional capacity, your thoughts, Even the idea of love and morality, he created those things. Even the invisible things that oppose him, the thrones and dominions and rulers and authorities, he created them. Again, Jeff Perswell powerfully summarizes this. He says, there are powers at work against him, but there are no rivals. There are no rivals. There is nothing in the entire realm of reality over which Jesus has not been given the right to be preeminent or or over which Jesus does not have the power to be preeminent. Friends, he is preeminent in reality. His position is first. His position as preeminent is not an option that you or I would decide to make Jesus merely prominent in our lives does not reduce his actual, eternal, never-ending 
never-changing preeminence. His preeminence is not a personal preference. Just because there are those in the world who don't believe in his preeminence, who would even establish themselves as preeminent in their own reality, does not diminish the fact that Jesus is preeminent. And he deserves that position and that place in your life, in my life, in the life of everything that has breath on this earth. He is preeminent in reality. But second, moving on to the second point, if you are taking notes, he's preeminent in redemption. He's preeminent in redemption. Now listen, I said he, he's preeminent in every way that, that matters, right? And we say here that, that Paul, Paul shows us how he's preeminent in the two ways that, he, that, that matter most. Why does it matter that he's preeminent in redemption? Why, why do we say that this is the second most important way that he's preeminent? Because it means that he's the first in righting all wrongs. It means he is first in fixing what has become broken in reality. So he's preeminent in reality. He's preeminent in fixing what is broken in reality. He's preeminent among all possible solutions. All possible proposed fixes. All possible proposed healers. All possible proposed saviors. He is preeminent. And look, look how Paul presents this in verses 18 through 20. He's the head of the body. The body is what? The church. So in verses 15 through 17, Paul Paul kind of stays way up and out here in the cosmos. But then he moves from the cosmos in verses 15 through 17 to the church here in 18. Kind of this massive funneling in. The reason that is, is because Jesus lends visibility to the fullness of God and the church lends visibility to the preeminence of Christ. The church is where we see the preeminence of Christ on display. Jesus is where we see the fullness of God on display, and the church is where we see the preeminence of Christ on display. And look, he's the head of the church. And head, uh, again, means both rank, so he's, he's the leader, the, the, the head, but also this word head means source. The, the church proceeds from his existence. He's the leader of the church, but also the creator of the church. Now listen, let me ask you this. How did he create the church? By what means did he create the church? Well, first, by being its first member. He is, look at, look at verse 18, he is the beginning, the the firstborn. The firstborn. But again, not, not just in order, but in rank. But notice this. Look down there. Paul doesn't say the firstborn of the church. To establish his rank, he says, firstborn from the dead. 
Why does he use this term to establish Christ's preeminence in redemption and in the church? This is why. Because Jesus was crucified as a just sacrifice for sins. Look at the end of verse 20. Making peace by the blood of his cross. And then he died. And then he rose again. And when he rose again, he defeated death. He established his authority over death. Never, unlike Lazarus and other people in the New Testament who were raised from the dead, who ended up dying again and ultimately and finally, Jesus rose from the dead never to succumb to death again. Demonstrating that he has a higher rank and authority over even death. the greatest enemy that humanity faces. The greatest problem in the realm of reality. The greatest problem that we face. He is preeminent even over death. And verse 20, look at verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on heaven or in, on earth, his resurrection demonstrates that his reconciling work on the cross worked. He is able to reconcile all things to himself. The reconciling work that he accomplished on the cross, on the cross dealt with the problem that created the problem of death, dealt with the problem of sin. <laughs> and... and his resurrection demonstrates that he is able to reconcile all things to himself because nothing, not even death, could stop him. And as the firstborn from the dead, he paves the way for all those who believe in him to also be reborn and experience victory over death. That in everything, Christ might be preeminent. Amen. Amen. Friends, Christ has always been preeminent. But it's in his redemptive work where his preeminence is demonstrated. And in the, in the reconciled and reborn people of the church, his preeminence is then seen. Reality exists and wholly depends on a person. And the solution to everything that is wrong in reality depends on a person. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Listen, Jesus may be prominent in your life one level or another or another you may even consider yourself a gospel centered person but listen one final quote from jeff perswell as jeff perswell once again helpfully says if your gospel centrality does not magnify christ above all things then the gospel is not your center christ is preeminent 
And he deserves to hold that position in your life and my life. And if you doubt this even still now, look down at verses 15 through 20. Notice that verse 16, for by him all things were created, but all things were also created through him and for him. He is to be, he is preeminent and he deserves to be preeminent. Alone. He deserves to be preeminent in every way that matters. So now, as we look out onto 2022, the pastoral team, we, we believe that, that God would have us each, and when I say us each, I mean every person in the church, to seek Christ's preeminence in four distinct areas. Not just prominent, but preeminent. To challenge us to pursue and to love and to prioritize the preeminence of Christ in these four areas. So if you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, maybe grab a pen and a pad of paper. And if you don't have one, I'll bet there's one close by. Go to your junk drawer in your kitchen or in your living room. That's a benefit of going live stream here. Go find a pen, something to write with. Write these down. Remember these. The first, 2022, make Jesus preeminent in your affections. Preeminent in your affections. C.S. Lewis famously said, and you've probably heard this before, he said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. In other words, whatever dissatisfaction and complacency and discontentment you experience isn't because you want other things too much, but that we don't want Christ enough. That Christ is merely prominent, if prominent at all. We wonder why we're dissatisfied. It's because the satisfier of your soul is just another item on the menu to satiate the hunger of your soul. We wonder why we're racked by fear of loss and, and fear of failure. It's because the one whom we can't lose the one who always has been and always will be, the one in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell is merely prominent. And there are other things we want, things we can lose, that occupy just the same or more prominence. And so we live our lives fearing the loss of them. Friends, Christ is not preeminent in your desires, and so you find that 2021 is a year that you're happy to see go, and 2022 is a year that you have little excitement for. But if Christ is, pro is preeminent in 2022, then we have much to look forward to. No matter what comes. So how do we behold Christ and grow in our affections for him then? 
Well, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we walk by faith and not by sight. We see him through the eyes of faith. And where do the eyes of faith behold a clear construction of our preeminent Christ? Well, in his word. Now, is it cliche to uh, build resolutions to, re- to read your Bible more over the course of this next year? Yes. But you should do it anyway. You should do it anyway. Resolve, if you resolve anything, to, to, to make spending time in God's Word a priority, that, that you might behold the preeminent Christ with the eyes of faith. Resolve, if anything, to make small group attendance a priority, to make Sunday gatherings a priority, to, to make time with God in prayer a priority, not so that you can check something off the list, list, not ultimately so that you can make your life better, but so that Christ will be preeminent in your life in 2022. Because that's the goal. That's the aim. So make Jesus preeminent in your affections this next year. Secondly, make Jesus preeminent in your relationships. And I'll be brief with these next three. Preeminent in your relationships, or to say it another way, to speak the name and message of Christ to the other people in your life. Husbands, resolve, if anything, to make 2022 a year marked by genuine gospel centrality in your marriage. To make the the preeminent person of Christ the aim and goal and object of what you and your wife are pursuing in your marriage. Speak the name and message of the preeminent person of Christ to your neighbors. He's worthy. Go into the city. Speak to the city, but do not fail to speak the name of Christ to the city, to your neighbors, to tell them of the message, of the good news of his life, crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, and exaltation, of our perfect prophet, priest, and king, our Messiah, the preeminent one, to whom their life should be oriented. Make Jesus preeminent in your relationships. Thirdly, in 2022, and I know we've got kids on this Zoom call uh, in a couple places, and this is a bit, of a bit more of a mature subject, but an important one nevertheless. Number three, in 2022, make Jesus preeminent in your sexuality. There are a few areas where the preeminence of Christ is threatened and denigrated more than in sexuality. And friends, I'm not talking about out there in culture. I'm talking about right here in our hearts. Husbands and wives, God gave you physical intimacy in your marriage for his glory, that the person of Christ would be magnified. And listen, if you hear that and you're like, what in the world is he talking about? And you want to know what I'm talking about, come and and talk to me or to Jeff. We'd love to open up God's word with you and, and, and walk through the Bible with you and explore God's beautiful design for human sexuality 
within the context of marriage. It, it's, a, it's a wonderful study and one worth undertaking. But also, the preeminence of Christ in our sexuality is threatened daily and, in, and, and significantly by impurity. And, and guys, I want to speak specifically to you here. Resolve, if anything, to make 2022 a year of making Christ preeminent in your sexual purity. Now, this is something that, as the pastoral team, as we've talked and prayed and looked out onto the landscape of 2022, we believe that the Lord would have us to press into this together as guys, because this is important. And so to help you with that, on Saturday, February 19th, we'll be having a seminar with a guest speaker for the men in the church, high school age and older, to have a real, honest conversation about sexual purity and the preeminence of Christ. So if you are a guy, mark February 19th off on your calendar. And if you're listening to this on MP3 later this week, mark February 19th on your calendar. It's a Saturday. It'll be two to three hours. Be there. Now, we've talked about resolving to make him preeminent in our affections, in our relationships, in our sexuality. And fourth and finally, in 2022, Make Jesus preeminent in your parenting. If you have children, this one is for you. Parents, <laughs> we need help, don't we? Because Christ is prominent, he's prominent at best in most of our parenting moments. But getting our kids to behave like we want them to is also prominent. And managing their schedules and their attitudes is also prominent. And getting them to eat the right things and to go to bed on time and to make sure they're doing what they're doing and they're not destroying the house is also prominent in our parenting of our children. And getting them to do that annoying, or to stop doing that annoying thing they won't stop doing is prominent. So many things crowd out our parenting but our kids need to see a preeminent Christ from, from our lives and hear of a preeminent Christ from our mouths. And we need help in that. And if you're a parent, you need help in that. And it's our delight to let you know that we want to help you with that. Our spring class this year will be on the topic of parenting. When this church was planted, we had nine kids in the church who were under the age of 18. Now we have somewhere between 35 and 40. We have a lot of new parents. We have a lot of parents entering into a new season. We have a lot of parents who aren't new parents or entering into a new season, but they're saying, yeah, I could use some help. <laughs> there are a few things more important than making Christ preeminent in the lives of the next generation. So, registration will be available soon because it is our aim to make Christ preeminent in our parenting, in our sexuality, in our affections, in our relationships, and in every other realm in our lives. To close, one scholar said, the preeminence of Christ must become a preoccupation of the soul. May pursuing the preeminence of Christ 
be the preoccupation of the soul of every member of Cross of Grace Church of Santa Ana. May this be a year when he is not just prominent in this church, but preeminent. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and prophetically speaking to us through your word by the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray that as, as we consider what we believe you have for us over the course of this next year, that you would actually work to accomplish these things. Whatever we set ourselves to endeavor to do, that you would give us the strength by the self-same preeminent Christ and his spirit dwelling within us to do these things. Would Christ be magnified in our church? Lord, we, we, we no doubt want a lot of things. A number of desires raised to the level of prominence in our minds and in our hearts. But Lord, we pray that nothing would elevate to the level of preeminence. Nothing would, would supplant Christ as first in our hearts, in our desires, in our sexuality, in our relationships, in our parenting, or in our affections. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.